welcome to the 11th episode of the Uneasy Podcast. My name is Isis. This podcast is about many of the uneasy conversations we go over and over in our minds. In this 11th episode, we will continue our conversation with one of my bestest friends, Alicia, and the idea of wanting so badly to be a part of the winning team, while the feeling may not be mutual, as well as a notion of self-advocacy. I want to give another huge thank you to Alicia for her time, thoughtfulness, and contribution towards the Uneasy podcast. I will continue to relate such uneasy topics of self-acceptance and being deemed acceptable to the book I recently wrote titled Upala. The title is spelled U-P-A-L-A, and it is available for purchase on CreateSpace if you want a printed copy or on Amazon if you want to read the book electronically. I have something I want to tell you. I want to mention I have included my email on the first page of the book, and I want to encourage you to reach out and share your uneasy thoughts, uneasy reactions, uneasy suggestions, and uneasy stories. I want to gather all of your input and with your permission to share, create our own series of episodes featuring the topics you would like for me to discuss. I want the book Upala and the Uneasy podcast to resonate with as many people as possible, so I'm asking you to connect with me. Let's make the book and the podcast the best it can be. So please leave me your comments, email me, join my Facebook page, send me a tweet, all of which can be found under my company name, Quasi Sounds. That's Q-U-A-S-I. S-O-U-N-D-S. Last episode, Alicia brings up this notion of passing and trying anything, even neglecting your race, your culture, your history, just to get your foot in the door. That is just the culture of the industry, no matter if it's music, you know, acting, whatever. Everyone, and it doesn't have anything to do with race, everyone is trying to be a part of the bigger team, period. So they'll do whatever it takes to be a part of the winning team, I should say. The thing about how race plays into it, no one really paid attention to that black community. They never really wanted to get to know that world either. And I know a lot of them probably felt like, well, that's okay, you know, as long as I get my foot in the door somehow, then I'll I'll get their attention. But I mean, that happens so, so seldomly. Like it's, it's sad. What can you do when the majority just isn't familiar with the culture. You know, that doesn't make you less talented. Passing could mean the act of passing through or out of a situation or culture. Its figurative definition could mean being mistaken for another race. Many people have found encouragement in our ability to disassociate from an undesirable community by assimilating or trying to rid your future of dominant features through reproductive selection. Who is responsible for teaching and showing value of your children's history and culture? What if the standard curriculum does not value your children's culture? What am I gonna do to, like personally, to continue into working with and learning more about my culture as as I get older, as the years go? I mean, I feel like, I mean, I feel like I'm on that path now. I'm always constantly, I mean, now that I don't work for a corporation anymore and I look in the mirror, I am my coworker. So I see and work with black every day. There's no way for me to not learn more and be involved in my culture. Every day that I wake up, I am black. I am Hispanic. So whatever situations we have as a people that day, that's what I have to deal with that day. We are each other. Every day that I wake up, if another black man gets killed by a police officer, then that's my issue as well. 
And when I have kids, you know, they're gonna see that in their parents, that their parents every single day had these issues and these, these situations on their mind, or they discussed these situations and these issues. As a parent, I'm responsible for making sure my kids learn about their history in school. I'm gonna be looking for schools that teach them particularly about black people. I won't accept the fact that they, you know, just go to school and learn whatever the school decides to teach them. That's not how I plan to, you know, <laughs> me growing up in public school, I know that, you know, just sending them to school and, and allowing their school to dictate what they learn, that's just not enough. You know, not to say that I won't put my kids in public school, but I'm definitely gonna be aware of what they're learning. I'm gonna be involved, and if the school is, they can only do so much, then I'll have to pick up the slack at home. And they'll have to learn it from me. But they're gonna learn it because they're gonna look in the mirror and they're gonna see black. Regardless that they'll be part Hispanic, it don't matter, they'll see black. I pray that we can teach them the right way and the, the, the right way to, um, to feel about themselves being black, the right way to act being black, and the right way to make other people respect that they're black. We all pray that we teach our kids these things and they become amazing people, but I know that's a challenge too. My house is definitely gonna be an institution in itself. Throughout the book Kupala, the protagonist is confronted with many negative stereotypes of her culture. There were many incidences where Paula did not feel safe or brave enough to stand up for herself, especially when she'd convinced herself she would not receive the support if she had stood up for herself. Upala accepts her black race and culture as tradition. It is very important to her and her mother to have a strong connection to her family back on the island as every Sunday phone calls are made to reconnect and all of their meals at home were carried down traditional recipes from the island, which both she and her mother became well-versed before leaving home. When mom feels I have handled the chicken enough, she pours a chicken mixture in the simmering skillet while drowning it in a quart of coconut milk. I inhale our simmering meal before mom places a lid over the skillet to allow the food and spices to marinate together. The aromas remain a permanent fragrance in her skin, clothes, and apartment. Mom is giving me a crash course on the island and continues to teach traditional recipes up to my departure to college. She learns to cook these family dishes from her mother before her departure to Los Angeles. I fantasize grandma is just as anxious to lose her daughter to a new home. Cooking reconnects mom to her forsaken home, and she hopes bestowing these recipes will also do the same for me. The seasonings alone linger in my soul. How important is it to you to stand up for yourself? Do you only do so when you can predict a favorable outcome? Do you have to have someone backing you up before protecting yourself from someone's aggression or disrespectful behavior? And I, I think I've experienced that a little bit with not people necessarily telling me that I needed to be, but jokingly, my name is Alicia, and they'll be like, hey, Bonquisha, or hey, Aisha, or, you know, just making fun of the fact that my name rhymes with black identifiable names or whatever it is, you know what I mean? So maybe making a joke about if I can swim or not, not necessarily telling me, girl, you know you can't swim, you know you black, or you know what I mean? But just saying jokingly as if I know that stereotype. And, it, and those type of things didn't happen too often amongst friends, but you definitely have to be strong enough to say, or, or you have to be strong enough to know who you are. And I know as a child or as a young adult, that's hard because you're trying to figure out who you are. But that's where good parenting comes in. 
So no matter who they come in contact with, there is no one that can tell them who they are. No one. Racially, like it don't matter what category. You know what I mean? Like no one will be able to tell them anything about who they are. So I can't say that I had that growing up. Like my parents taught me, you know, this is who you are. And if anybody asks, this is what you say you are. Like I didn't have that drilled in me. I think it was just my personality to be, um, to take care of myself and to stand up for myself no matter what it was. And that's just how I ended up turning out. But I've had incidents happen where, you know, white people have been very disrespectful to me. And I had to tell them who exactly I was and how they wouldn't disrespect me again. Unfortunately, I've had to have those confrontations with people who weren't black. And I had to put them in their place, not really knowing what the outcome outcome would be but because of my personality I wasn't afraid of people even though I didn't necessarily know who I was as a a young person but I knew that I was I would not allow disrespect that's helped me just being strong in that aspect not allowing disrespect no matter who it's from you know what that takes that's a hard situation to be put up against and it takes I mean, it takes confidence and it takes practice. Not that you want to have practice in those situations, but it takes practice. I had a couple of situations happen where I was alone and someone shouted from a truck, just crazy obscenities, driving by in a truck, yelling out of this, out of a car. And I was alone. You know, I didn't run after the truck and throw rocks at it or, you know what I mean? Just kind of let that go, right? Eesh, didn't know how to handle that. Only thing I could do was just tell other people. And that happened to me a few times. Another incident happened where I was in a subway. So now I'm around, but probably about 100 or 200 people in a busy rush hour subway where I'm walking down some stairs and a white guy turn, just turns around. He had on a business suit. Looked like he just got off work because it was around 6 p.m., you know, rush hour time, 5 p.m., 6 o'clock. And he turns around and he looks at me. He was like, I fucking hate you, fucking hate you. And I don't know this person. And for a second, I was in shock because I'm like, what do I do? Do I slap him? Because he's in my face so closely that he's spitting on me. He was so angry. All I know is this was not my first time being called a nigger. This was not my first time being blankly disrespected. And once I remembered that this, is, was, this wasn't my first time, Something triggered in me. It took me about five to 10 seconds. But after five or 10 seconds, I snapped out of it and I charged back at him, not knowing how it would turn out. But I had to protect myself because I didn't know if he was gonna slap me. He was so close in my face. Like I didn't know if he was gonna hurt me, slap me, push me, I didn't know. But I had to tell him or show him, I'm not the one to be disrespected. Period. And if you want to fight me, let's go. I know I'm a female and you're a man, but I had an opportunity to say, I'm not standing for this disrespect. And once I charged back at him, something like snapped in his mind and he like looked shocked and just walked away. Like, like he didn't run, but like just walked away really fast. Like as if in his mind, 
he was like, what am I doing? I can't believe I just turned around to this stranger and did that to her. And I'm like, okay, so if this ever happens again, unfortunately it took practice for me to be able to say, when I'm alone, you know, if things like this happen, you still have to protect yourself. It might be scary. It definitely will probably be scary, but it's just something that you have to do. No matter what happens, you have to be willing to protect yourself. They might do it to somebody the following week because they got away with it with me. And you know, I don't know. That'll be something that I would, you know, had to worry about like, man, because I didn't say something, they might just think they could just do this to, do this to anyone. You know, and they might do this to someone who wasn't as strong and they might, they might have like taken those words personally. You know, what if I was younger, very insecure, really, you know, in that place that I wasn't sure if I wanted to identify with black people because black people were just, you know, no one liked to be black. And then this guy racially attacks me like that. And then I'm saying, you said, this is why I don't want to be black because of this happening. What if his, you know, his actions made me feel that way or made the next person feel that way? And that's terrible. Making someone hate themselves. I wasn't gonna allow him to make me hate myself. He should be hating himself. He's crazy. He's lucky that like I was that nice to him because he could have really ran into the wrong person. I don't know. And, and, and when I think about, you know, he had on a suit, he probably just came from work. He probably works with black people. He could have a black assistant or something. I don't know how he treats his his coworkers, but he was not going to get away with that. Not with me. Alicia makes up a good point. I believe we are constantly testing how far we can go with our microaggression and that it is so important to correct bad behavior immediately when confronted. By making excuses or chalking it up to it just being in their personality does not keep the intended peace, but rather further perpetuates offensive behavior. Many times, silence can be misinterpreted as acceptance. You pretty much have to consider the people who cross the line as children trying to navigate their part in a community. Such behavior is modeled to them and now they're acting out. And just like a child, you need to put them back in line and teach them of their wrongdoings. I believe if we hold strong to the idea that racism and intolerance is not human nature, then we should speak up and say something when someone is acting against human nature. But remember, it takes practice. If your first time advocating for yourself and others does not unfold how you envisioned it, unfortunately, you'll probably get another opportunity. And also, this doesn't only include overt aggression, as your correction could be needed for something as unassuming as someone claiming they don't see color. Think about exactly what they are and are not acknowledging. So how have you been an advocate for yourself? Have you had any missed opportunities? If you can go back, what would you say and how would you correct such bad behavior? Next episode, we'll continue our discussion with one of my mentors, Garth, and we'll continue our conversation about repositioning your self-acceptance and how you may have to dig a little deeper to do so. Please check it out. Also, please rate this episode, leave a comment, subscribe to the An Easy Podcast. I would love to hear from you. For more details about this episode, please visit Quasi Sound's website. I've included my notes for this episode for you to read, as well as the music I inserted throughout the show. And while you're there, please buy my book. I sincerely appreciate your support and your patronage will help continue creating more content. Thank you for listening to the Uneasy Podcast.